0: was trolling through the citations on um the wikipedia article for yule lads, Mm -hmm. um and while they were talking about how the king didn't like them basically and like banned some of them Mm -hmm. there was one citation to this now archived um article from 2010 uh from the iceland review online Mm -hmm. um someone went out of their way to like or some bot went out of its way to like (laughs) Archive this page because yeah. it doesn't exist on the actual site anymore. Um, so thank you to that person. Is it like, or bot.
1: like Wayback uh, Machine it's or whatever. "Forgotten
0: Yule Lads and Lasses." Oh. Um, and you know, just as a follow up to our episode uh, last week, it it goes over the same ones we go over as like the modern thirteen brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it, it also hits on. Several more that were left out of that uh collection of 13. Uh oh. There's in fact possibly around 80 jewel oh uh lads and lasses in various folk tales and poems going uh-huh. back like centuries. But just for a small smattering, <laughs> the one that sticks out most for me is um I'm gonna butcher this, but it's it's lung nasletir or lung splatter oh god uh and and i've actually i've seen him up come up in a couple other searches uh it seems pretty consistent but according to legend this yule lad carried his lungs on the front of his chest and tried to beat children with them (laughs) so oh no we can immediately see why these were not kept uh yeah (laughs) with the other you know like bowl licking lads yeah um there's another one smoke smoke gulper who would gulp smoke from uh uh the top of houses and okay. then like blow it in people's faces <laughs> little little chiller um, then lung splatter It's just rude skirt sweeper uh would blow hats off women's heads and rustle their skirts oh Which was very disrespectful <laughs>
1: It's, um, it seems like there's just a lad for like any minor,
0: any inconvenience. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a old lad.
0: Uh, so this is together alone, a podcast in which we um talk.
1: Well, about... it depends on what week
0: you ask us. <laughs> Last week, it's we talk about um, magical Northern European Mythology. Christmas boys. Yeah, and this week it's going to be uh about ancient egyptian sculpture
1: okay okay (laughs) so just
0: kind of connect the dots however you want there you know
1: i'm olivia forehand
0: and i'm henry roberts and we're we're here to talk we're gonna talk uh so talk i will um my story for today begins three thousand three hundred and sixty five years ago
1: Um, I'm Uh, sorry, but the Earth is only 2,000 years old, (laughs) so I'm going to have to call bullshit on that one.
0: Might have to expand your worldview here, (laughs) live.
1: Explain that one, Henry.
0: I didn't invent the Egyptians. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it starts way back then in 1345 BC uh, with a sculptor. By a sculptor uh, named Th- Thutmose, probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and like uh, give disclaimer. a disclaimer here that all- every name I pronounce will probably be wrong. Okay, um, Fair enough. Anyway, so Thutmose, the sculptor, he's in a brand new city. He is making a sculpture, and it is 1345 BC. That is where the story begins, and this story ends uh, in the present day really for me a couple days ago, uh, on a community 3d printing website called thingiverse.
1: Oh, I'm intrigued. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I have, uh, been doing a bunch of 3d printing lately. I got a 3d printer maybe mm, two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, I have been downloading lots of files to print out. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly from this service called thingiverse Um, and while i was on there uh i was looking for a gift for a friend that is into egypt artifacts egyptian artifacts Mm -hmm. and i came across this bust of nefertiti and uh, i recognized the bust i think most people would recognize the bust if they saw it Mm -hmm. in fact people listening or you right now might have an idea of I, what this looks like in your mind <laughs> yeah which is interesting um because i think i and probably most who can visualize it couldn't really tell you anything about it nope other than it hurt it's a it's it hurt <laughs> Her nefertiti uh and that's about as far as it goes um so that I thought that was really interesting. And, it, it, you know, the, the familiarity with the sculpture immediately drew me to it. So I clicked the link um, and I saw that it was like a this wasn't just someone made a 3D model of this bus. This was like the bus like this was like a flawless rendition, recreation of the artifact itself, including mm-hmm. like the little broken lines in it and the missing eye and everything. Oh, wow um yeah so like really high quality and that you know piqued my interest even more like what's going on here did they get like a scan of this or what and that kind of gave birth to the story that i'm going to tell you today but i think i want to take a step back and just talk about um nefertiti a little bit okay so and i'm going to be liberally pulling material from the bbc the smithsonian straight up wikipedia and just like a bunch of other sites cool uh, just as a, another disclaimer nefertiti was the great royal wife of the egyptian pharaoh akhenaten
1: mm-hmm.
0: so oh yeah i know him uh yeah you know do you know him
1: no yeah yeah we're best friends <laughs> I, I didn't know him
0: no. Um um we'll, well this story kind of brushes up against some some of the most well-known egyptian things Uh-oh. um so we'll talk so about i
1: should that. know him
0: maybe not necessarily but the pharaoh that precedes him you will know you do know okay, okay. um we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. So um, Akhenaten was like a very unique pharaoh uh, in the timeline of ancient Egypt because he basically said like, fuck all this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, abandoned Egypt's traditional polytheistic religion in favor of just worshiping one god, Aten, uh, or oh. Aten, uh, who was like a sun, the the sun god, the god of sun light. The sun. Light. <laughs> Yeah, he sort of basically the sun. Um he didn't it, it it's not like he got rid of all the other gods. Like you, people were still worshiping them and stuff, but he did like a hard pivot where it's like, nah nah nah, we're mostly just gonna do Aten. Like this okay. is the important one. I don't give a shit about the other ones. And um as part of that shift, he literally shifted uh the capital to a new city. A city that oh. they built specifically for the worship of Aten called uh amarna
1: oh i was gonna say like Um, Attenville.
0: (laughs) it had it had uh, some other names that tied in a little bit more but amarna seems to be what's like primarily used cool he he was he's described as by historians uh as like everything under the sun if you'll forgive the pun from (laughs) like enigmatic and mysterious and revolutionary to like a just heretic fanatic like a a madman basically okay it's like he, he took like all of this egyptian culture and like faith and kind of just like threw it out the window okay. and then literally just moved the city somewhere else because he <laughs> wanted to but uh he's important to this story because his uh wife his like primary wife the, the, the queen was Nefertiti they're not exactly sure who Nefertiti was um like sort of leading up to this yeah like um, like
1: where she came from or how they found her or- right
0: yeah. She, she, um,
1: disappeared. she
0: just She disappeared. There, there are some suggestions that she might have been like an Egyptian royal by birth or a foreign princess mm-hmm. or like the daughter of like a high government official. But she, uh, where, wherever she came from, she appeared um, and became like the co-regent, the co-pharaoh, the queen of Egypt uh, with Akhenaten um, from 1352 BC to 1336 BC. During that time, she had six daughters, uh, one of whom married uh, Tutankhamun.
1: Okay, yeah. Who
0: you, we, yeah, we know. That's King Tut. I know him. And King, King Tut follows. During Akhenaten's like first 11 years of reign, we see a ton of mentions, references and artwork featuring Nefertiti. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was kind of unique because up to this point, most Egyptian um, like sculptures and art didn't feature uh, the queen or really any woman as like the centerpiece. But, uh, there's a ton of work featuring Nefertiti often alone where it's like the whole thing is about her um, Which cool. is unique. Yeah um, And then after at, at Like the twelfth year of his reign she just goes like silent like there's no mention of her no reference no artwork being made mm-hmm. um, and for a long time uh, like Egyptologists assumed or presumed that she died but then uh, more recently a uh, reference to her in his sixteenth year of reign uh, comes up, talking like uh, something comes up, talking about her mm-hmm. like, as being still present. Weird. So now they think like, oh, okay, so she didn't die. She just like something happened where they weren't talking about her for a while, and it's possible that he actually died before her, and she may have been the pharaoh for like a short time after her husband's death. Yeah, that's which cool. Is pretty cool. <laughs> so at some point, uh. During uh, this reign, they're thinking, They think 1345 BC, there's this sculptor Thutmose, and he uh, must be like a royal sculptor, and uh, he creates this bus. Okay. The bus doesn't have any inscriptions in it, but it can clearly be identified as Nefertiti. It has her, like, characteristic crown, which is... She has this big blue crown on. Um, the crown is really interesting. It's almost a cone, um,
1: like an upside down cone. Yeah, comb. it's almost,
0: it's conical for sure. Yeah. It's, the crown's very unique. There's no other example of anyone wearing a crown like this one. Really? Um, yeah, she's the only one. Huh. There's like some debate on what it is and what it signifies. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was fairly common for Egyptian royalty to be depicted wearing crowns but uh Egyptian researchers aren't even sure if they ever actually wore crowns in real life oh. because we've never found like a physical Egyptian like, crown oh weird it, we see it in art all over but you we've never actually found one yeah so it it could be we could be looking at this and seeing it as like oh this is a crown that they wore and it would it be the equivalent of uh, of like researchers looking at like depictions of saints with halos and being like, Why can't we find these halos anywhere? Like maybe it's not actually a thing that they wore, but it was just like a A visual you know, uh symbol, an identifier.
1: That's interesting. That's Uh, funny. Yeah. To think that there'd be someone be like, I can't find it though. Like I can see it in this painting, but where is it? And it's like
0: Right, it's gotta be here somewhere. like We know We know it's
1: not real. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. And Akhenaten's Whole like religious pivot, um, in worshiping Aten as like the primary god, he set himself and uh Nefertiti as like the firstborn children of Aten. <laughs> um, okay, and so it might have like strong like religious meaning, mm-hmm. like because they, they were setting themselves up as being like the Adam and Eve of Aten. That's you know, that, that yeah. I'm definitely butchering, that's not a good comparison, but it kind of gets the feeling across.
1: Yeah, that's that's quite the uh. No wonder they thought he was a religious it's a power fanatic. Play.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he was doing all sorts of crazy stuff.
1: It's not like anyone in Christian history ever, I don't know, re- rewrote the Bible or anything. Of
0: course not. So, Absolutely not. That would be That would possible, just be unheard of. It's not like there's like 30 different versions of the Bible. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so that's a, a brief rundown on Nefertiti. I don't want to get too bogged down in the history, but mm-hmm. she was Super cool. A very impressive person, but also sort of a, we just a weird like excerpt from ancient Egyptian history. Like just this strange little thing. Be, and I say like little because after, um, Akan Pharaoh Akhenaten died, uh, and, uh, Tut became the new Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. That whole city was abandoned. They were like, not nah, through <laughs> this going back. This is a bad call. Uh-huh. Uh, Uh, the religion was reverted back to the previous, uh, polytheistic religion. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of like Egyptian, uh, scholars and records don't like, don't even refer to Akhenaten or if they do, they refer to him as like the criminal or like the scoundrel, (laughs) things like that. So they like, they're considered like a black mark, uh, you know, by their own historians basically. Yeah. They really weren't popular. it did not go well i mean when you yeah when you get a new pharaoh and he's like hey a stop praying to all your gods we're just gonna do this one because i'm daddy's special boy (laughs) um and also pack your bags we're moving moving. for this new god it's it's kind of it begins to become easier to see how that might not be super super well so
1: how many how many years was it that he ruled
0: It was something like 18 years.
1: Okay. That's, yeah, that makes sense then. That they would just be like, nah, we're just going to pretend this never happened.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just sweep this one under the rug. But because it was swept under the rug like that, it actually had like big ramifications for like modern day Egyptian research. So, well, I say modern day, but like early 20th century uh, Egyptian like archaeology because Mm -hmm. the city was abandoned. And so it was just left. And so like, you know, it got buried in sand, but it's otherwise untouched, which meant that you have this like perfect little slice of Egyptian society that just got kind of taken out of the, you know, the hustle and bustle of generation upon generation, like building, you know, building up from prior generations. And this one was just like set out to the side and left. Mm -hmm. And so now you like, it's just begging to be like examined and there's tons of knowledge that can be gleaned from it. Yeah. And this kind of started with the uh, German Oriental Company led by the German archaeologist Ludwig uh, Borchardt um, in uh, 1912. Okay. On December 6th, he writes in his diary that while going through Thutmose's workshop, he has found this bust of Nefertiti. And he writes suddenly we had in our hands the most alive egyptian artwork you cannot describe it with words you must see it so he finds this thing in this workshop and is just completely blown away by it Mm -hmm. and uh they they were doing this dig under supervision from like egyptian authorities at the time yeah and they had an agreement where there'd be an egyptian auditor or inspector who would come and examine the works found and um, decide like what he could take back to Germany and what Needed to uh, stay had or... to stay with okay. Egypt, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And basically uh, Borchardt did this auditor dirty. There's like a bunch of different <laughs> accounts of this, um, but there's one from the secretary of the German Oriental Company uh, where they wrote, Borchardt, quote, wanted to save the bust for us. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some other documents where you can see that Borchardt listed it as a, quote, painted plaster bust of a princess. But in his own diary, he refers to it immediately as the head of Nefertiti. So, like, he knew what he was working with and was going, like, went out of his way to deceive the auditors. And so that he could, like, smuggle it, sneak it back into Germany. White people, am I right? Right white people yeah uh time magazine actually lists the bust of nefertiti as one of the top 10 plundered artifacts of the world yeah funny to me that they have a top 10 (laughs) list at all but yeah it it definitely deserves to be in there so this bust gets to germany in 1913 it's presented to this guy named james simon who is uh a like wholesale merchant and the one who sponsored the whole excavation Mm -hmm. so basically bouchard gets back and is like hey boss check this out yeah Simon keeps it in his house uh, for a few years uh, and just kind of shows it off. He loans it to the Berlin Museum for a bit. And then eventually it gets a like a permanent place at the Berlin Museum in 1920. And in 1924, it is reviewed or revealed to the public uh, at the Egyptian Museum of Berlin.
1: That's just weird that you'd be like, this is such a cool find. I'm just going to keep it. For a while. It is
0: weird, isn't it? Hey, here's this amazing find. Let me keep this in my house for like 10 years. I'm just going to
1: hold on to her for a while. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm just going to let her sit. So it, th- that raises some serious questions. Um, w- Namely, why? <laughs> why? Why why did you do this? Um, one take on that is he knew, they all knew that the moment that this went public... Egypt was going to be pissed yep. yep. (laughs) and so maybe they wanted to put it sort of some time between it being carried over there and being revealed hoping that that would kind of help settle things yeah um they were certainly right about the former because the year that it was revealed in 1924 Egyptian authorities immediately (laughs) demanded its return and they have continued to demand its return since then
1: we still haven't. They um, still haven't given it back.
0: It's still in Berlin. Oh yes, my god! It is still in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: White people, stop. <laughs>
0: Basically, everyone is like, "Yeah, that shouldn't be in Berlin," and and Germans are like, "Yeah, this sh- shouldn't." But it, also, we're just going to. hang But on it
1: to is, it. and I. Um, but it I'm is, not and I don't
0: want to give it back. Wow. Um, I I think that the the like German um take on it is technically the egyptian auditor approved of it being taken and so like legally it uh is okay <laughs> quote unquote yeah but like but morally there, there's a ton there's a ton of documentation proving that bouchard
1: was deceiving and- was
0: being super deceptive yeah yeah and so they re- really shouldn't shouldn't still have it it was revealed in 1924 egypt was like hey give it back and germany was like no In 1925, Egypt was like, we're going to ban German excavations until you return. Mm -hmm. And Germany was like, still no. Um, In 1929, Egypt said, hey, we'll give you a bunch of other artifacts if you return this one. And Germany said no. In uh, 1933, the Nazis had taken over Mm -hmm. and Nazi political leader Hermann Göring was like, hey, let's return this uh to Egypt as like a political gesture Mm -hmm. and Hitler was like yeah okay uh let me just see it real quick and then he looked at it and said actually no (laughs) (laughs) we're we're, not only are we not giving this back but we're keeping it and building a new Egyptian museum for it
1: oh my god he's
0: he said quote in the middle this wonder Nefertiti will be enthroned and said quote I will never relinquish the head of the queen oh my god um (laughs) During World War II, it ended up spending its time hidden in a salt mine uh, and was recovered by the, the Allied Forces group, the Monuments Men, mm-hmm. which were a group of very cool dudes that specifically were like saving art. I think
1: they made a movie about that. a movie was that. made out yeah. of it. <laughs> yes.
0: So they found it in 1945 and put it back on display in, in Berlin. In Germany, yep. During that brief time while it was under American control, Egypt was like, hey, America, <laughs> give that back. And America's like, no. nah, talk to new Germany. In more recent times, the verbiage has changed from return it to Egypt to lend it to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, the Egyptians are saying like, lend this to us for some type of like cultural display. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it seems like Germany's opinion is that if they lend it to Egypt, they're not going to get it oh, back. absolutely which, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. This the the museum is run by the Prussian Cultural Heritage Foundation and they their president Hermann uh Perzinger I'm definitely butchering that says that the foundation's position on the return of Nefertiti remains unchanged she is and remains the ambassador of Egypt in Berlin
1: Unwillingly
0: so, Yeah the un, the unwilling ambassador We have of
1: Egypt kidnapped in Berlin. her and are forcing her to stay here
0: Yes so that has been a ton of history <laughs> we're up to basically modern 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 day now um and we all should have a bit better of an understanding of who nefertiti is and why we um, like her so much and why we like her so much and what's the deal with this bust now we're going to get into some digital uh hocus pocus three hocus pocus hocus pocus three is that a word that's not a word it is now The debate around, there's like always been a debate around Nefertiti's bust since she was found, and it's mostly been around like repatronizing her to Egypt. Mm -hmm. But the debate has also kind of taken a different branch in more recent times, focusing around her digitization, digitization,
1: digitization, (laughs) digitization, digitization.
0: So it's become very common for museums to create 3D scans of their artifacts. Mm hmm and a lot of and it makes sense i mean we have such accurate technology for that now that you can get like extremely precise 3d recreations of these things Mm -hmm. not to and you know it's not that difficult or expensive and why wouldn't you like then you can like really lock in you know even more permanently have this thing and a lot of museums will do it and then release them uh, to the public because why wouldn't you want, you know, you're a museum. The, the whole point in your institution's existence is to be spreading, you know, awareness of uh, arts and culture. Right. If you have 3D scans of these things that you can release online, you're, you would be allowing, you know, you know, millions of people across the world to get to view these things in a way that they otherwise never would be able to. Right so it's a, it's a, it should be a huge win win and a lot of museums see it that way and release their scans um, as soon as they make them. Not all of them do though mm-hmm. um, I and, never would have guessed uh, <laughs> yeah, and the 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 noose museum, which is the current museum that holds the bust of Nefertiti, is one of those ones that keeps their scans under lock and key no way um,
1: no way that have, the guys yeah, holding yes holding Nefertiti hostage <laughs> wouldn't want to put also her out there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, her for download. Scan hostage. Yeah, so they have a full color, extremely accurate three D scan of Nefertiti, and they have since like uh, twenty somewhere around twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. but no one's been able to access it um,
1: until
0: <laughs> until twenty sixteen. Enter Berlin based artist duo Nora Al Badri and Jan Nicolai Nels or Neas, I am not sure. These are a pair of artists that got permission to go and view the bust and snuck in Connect uh. Uh, scanners. Oh wow! So if you're not familiar with Connect, uh, it's a Xbox 360 and then Xbox One periphery accessory. Oh, um, it is. Yeah, it's it's the little black bar with some camera lenses on the front of it, and it was used uh, with Xbox games where you could, like, use your body as a controller.
1: That doesn't seem like that would be very good at scanning art, but I don't know.
0: Huh. Yeah, so anyway, um, <laughs> they they hid these scanners under big scarves and puffy jackets and got got to this sculpture and took a bunch of 3D scans with their Kinect sensors uh-huh. and also produced like a whole kitschy video of themselves doing it, like undercover style. So, after they, so they, they get these scans and then they spend a bunch of time combining them together and eventually release a 3D digital model um, of Nefertiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this made waves in certain, you know, 3D communities <laughs> and art art communities arguably the first uh, example uh, that I could find of like a uh, covert 3D scanning, like a digital artifact heist sort of. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of awesome. Um, And I, you know, it got, they got lots of articles written about them and were invited to do a ton of talks, um, did a bunch of speeches. You can find them on YouTube giving like tons of different speeches about the whole process.
1: Well, what they, I was going to ask if they got in trouble, but I guess they really didn't break any laws. There's no real laws
0: stopping you from doing that.
1: They just scanned it.
0: Right yeah they, they, they were breaking the museum's rules but they weren't breaking any actual legal laws uh naturally the museum didn't like this but they didn't do anything about it yeah. um unclear if they even could have done much about it but yeah after after taking the scan several months and several months of like piecing the information into a single refined file they released it on the internet with a creative Commons license for anyone to use or remix it yeah. in any way that they'd like And that is the original scan that I found on Thingiverse, which is one of the websites where they posted it. On their website, they explain that, quote, with the data leak as a part of this counter narrative, we want to activate the artifact to inspire a critical reassessment of today's conditions and to overcome the colonial notion of possession in Germany. Mm hmm. Um, which is is pretty cool. I think it's like the whole thing is a pretty cool endeavor. And it really like that kind of lit a fire under me. I was like, holy cow, this is neat. I yeah. have to talk about this. And the the file, you know, I, I downloaded it. And I took a look. At, I took a look at it. And it's like so precise, mm-hmm. so accurate. In fact, you're right. It's too accurate. They couldn't have done what they said that they did. Uh-oh. There's no way that this bus could have come from Connect Scanners. Uh-huh. Not even Xbox 1 Connect Scanners. I've I've made art uh myself with uh Xbox Connect Scanners. If you'd like to see some, you can check out my uh <laughs> uh <laughs> Instagram page Tasty Food. There's no underscore. It's my other secret Instagram page. Not anymore. Um not anymore. Uh but it is um It is not that accurate. It can get general body shapes and kind of like uh, blobs of uh, models, but it cannot, the the, the model that they released, we're talking like hairline fractures were Mm -hmm. visible. Like it, it was a perfect recreation.
1: So was it all a big scam? Like was it actually the museum? It was a
0: hoax. It was a hoax. So that's the question. A, a a prominent 3D modeler in the uh like museum space uh Cosmo Winman uh was among the first of experts to criticize this story mm-hmm. he all, he said that the scan was just too high quality and that it was way too similar to a scan that the museum commissioned uh, and had posted in work as early as 2008. Mm-hmm. When asked about this, the two artists said that they can't verify the scans origins because they took their What their explanation is that they took their Connect scans and sent it to a unnamed third party and that unnamed third party processed the data and gave them the final scan result. So their narrative changed from like, we did these scans and spent months on it and then released it to, we did the scans and then gave it to this third party and then that third party gave us this final product. So if if there's something weird, our hands are clean. They
1: mysteriously gave us the real ones instead.
0: Right. Uh, And then they argued, like, that focusing on where the scan actually came from is missing the point. They said, quote, art is about building new narratives, deconstructing power relations, not scanning techniques. Uh, What we strive to achieve is a vivid discussion about the notion of possession and belonging of history in our museums and our minds. To that degree, absolutely. I definitely think they did. I do think it's funny that they start off their, with their explanation as being art is about building new narratives because it definitely seems like there's some new narrative building here. So we don't know. We don't know what what happened yeah. here. We know that Connects don't have the capability to produce this sculpture. No. And we know that they ended up with a you know perfect 3D model. Yeah. Just from my take on it, it kind of seems like they had someone within either the museum or within the uh, company that was contracted to produce the 3D scans that wanted it to be released. Mm-hmm. And they together concocted this whole connect scan like hoax yeah yeah ruse as a way of cloaking the fact that it was being leaked you know which would be more on the illegal side of things okay that's just my take uh it's also possible maybe that this this scan was hosted you know on an online server and it someone got access to it that wasn't supposed to have access Mm -hmm. to it so it was just kind of straight up stolen that's another possibility and then there's like there's a whole nother side to all this authenticity debate not on the digital version but on the sculpture itself there's multiple historians who question the actual authenticity of the sculpture mm-hmm. uh, the smithsonian also interviewed a um convicted master art forger who was convinced that uh it had like all the bust has all the hallmark signs of being a forgery one author from this french language book the bust of nefertiti a fraud in egyptology stated that they thought that the bust was uh made by bochart the guy who found it to test ancient pigments so like he used ancient pigments but it was not actually an ancient bust some even went as far as to say that they that the sculpture was based on Beauchard's wife <laughs> And another theory suggested that the existing bu- bust was created in the 30s on Hitler's orders, and that the original was lost in World War II. Mo- these claims seem to be false, though. Yeah, uh, it does. It does seem like it is an authentic bust. They have done CT scans on it and have found like a, like a quote unquote hidden face, like an earlier work on it mm-hmm. that kind of suggests that the whole thing is genuine. Uh, like it shows the signs of it being worked on by. You know an ancient yeah sculptor.
1: well and that's wild to be like i want to test some ancient pigments but first pigments. i'm gonna sculpt an entire bust
0: right to paint on <laughs> it, it it gets even more looney tunesy than that uh, there's this whole theory that like he painted on it and then the prince Johann george of saxony saw it and was like oh this is beautiful like amazing and then Beauchart was like well now I can't tell him that it's fake so he had to pretend that it was genuine <laughs> to avoid like offending the prince because how could the prince like something that was fake uh and then it just like the the lie spiraled out yeah. of control <laughs> which is hilarious but probably but, not the yeah. case Like, just <laughs> seems a little too crazy anyway so I mentioned one of the first guys that came out saying that like this story about the connect scanners was funky. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his name is Cosmo Winman, And after like all this hubbub and after he kind of came into the public eye a little bit for calling out these artists, he then set out on his own campaign to get the actual file f- directly from the museum. Mm-hmm. That led him down like this three year journey where he argued that the German freedom of information laws apply to state funded institutions and so this file is should be free information for him to access as a German citizen. Okay, um, and yeah. the museum argued back that, directly quote, directly giving him copies of the scan data would threaten its commercial interests, which is an interesting perspective from the museum. Like, w- in what way is having this 3D scan of your relic going to threaten your... In- like, are they worried that other museums are just going to print this one out? Like, is that the issue here? Yeah,
1: if you're a museum, you shouldn't have commercial interest. The whole point is to like be spreading knowledge yeah. and ch-
0: ch- art. Should be a nonprofit and, sort of deal. Yeah,
1: like so you're not trying to make a profit off of like. And I mean, yeah, you have a gift shop, but like the, you shouldn't be holding art for ransom.
0: Exactly. Um, Winman ag- ag- agrees with you. He said uh, it's very difficult to find anyone who is able to accurate actually articulate a coherent reason for keeping this kind of data away from the public. Mm-hmm. He says, I believe their policy is informed by fear of loss of control, fear of the unknown and worse, a lack of imagination, which sick burn. Nice. Really roasted him <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so they denied him, they denied him, they denied him. Finally, they were getting tired of him um, <sighs> and he, they let him view the files on a laptop at their a law firm that worked for the museum. Yeah. And he has a little video of him viewing the files on a laptop and they gave him they let him they put the files on it's like a like a netbook and in the video you can see him like trying to like rotate the model and the netbook like doesn't have enough processing power to even rotate it so the whole thing just like freezes up like it's very clear that they're just trying to like you know waste his time basically yeah so then he takes sort of a different tact and he says okay you say that you can't give it to me because it threatens your commercial interests. Well, then I'm going to file for the information regarding your commercial interests. So like, tell me, like, how does this threaten your commercial interests? Mm -hmm. Tell me like how much money you have made off of these things. He said that this is actually a pretty common technique from museums Uh, in, in the museum world parlance. This argument uh, against open access is known as the gift shop defense. Mm -hmm. Basically they want to keep the scan so that they can make little models and sell them at the gift shops to make money. So eventually they do give, like several months later, they do give him the info and they confirmed that they had earned less than 5,000 euro total from marketing the scan or any (laughs) scans.
1: Cool guys. So
0: in in like the 10 years that they had the scan, they'd made less than five grand off of it. Yeah. Uh just completely just nothing, no. <laughs> like, absolutely nothing. So they've just been sitting on this for no reason. Yeah. But in this like letter that they sent back explaining that they've made less than five grand on it, the letter also included a uh, USB drive, a little thumbstick. And there was no writing about it, no explanation of why it was included or what it was, mm-hmm. but he plugs it into his computer and bam, there it is, the file. The full, accurate Nefertiti scan that he'd been trying to get for three so years th- and that they've been keeping under lock and key for a they decade. They just gave up? Just there. <laughs> they just gave up.
1: They're like, fine, um, damn it, here it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, he says it, he thinks it's their way of saying, here it is, now leave us alone. <laughs> Literally just like, please, fuck off.
1: Oh, that's amazing. What's even?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he must have felt super accomplished. It's super bizarre for a lot of reasons, though, including that at the bottom of this scan they had etched in copyright information so like they put a copyright on the digi- digital bust and they did it by literally like digitally carving the copyright into the base of the uh the bust itself i want to see if i can pull up a picture of that for you well that yeah here we go that
1: doesn't make sense
0: it doesn't make sense at all and when men said it's unclear which elements of their digital copy of the bus of Nefertiti, the museum thinks it has copyright on mm-hmm. the original artifact is clearly in public domain mm-hmm. because it's an artifact and the copyright attaches copyright only attaches to original works. You can't copyright Somewhat a copy. Right. That the whole idea is to prevent that. So, like, how you could be copywriting an ancient artifact is just nonsense, but he thinks that they put it on more as like a non legal attempt at reducing people's usage of it, yeah, I did print it, uh which was super fun. I printed like one third scale model of it and gave it as a Christmas gift uh-huh. this one, the actual one that was received from the museum, not the mm-hmm. um extremely similar one. Uh that did or did not, but almost certainly did not come from uh an Xbox an X- Connect <laughs> scan. But yeah, and so that brings us to the end of this story back from over three thousand years ago to, uh, to your bedroom. me downloading a file <laughs> off of Thingiverse. <laughs> yeah, in my, my little home office. To print out on my new 3D scanner. It's just it started as one little thing. Oh, I recognize this statue, and then it blew up into this like just increasingly interesting and complex story. So I just I wanted to share it.
1: Yeah.
0: Controversy after controversy after controversy, and so many selfish decisions being made along the way. (laughs) But always like someone else trying to prevail over that. And and efforts are still being made this day to get this returned to Egypt. I learned some other very interesting things about Egyptology, uh, but I'll save that for another for day. For another day. Yeah. That's Nefertiti.
1: I like her. All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for our song, Forever Nameless. It's a good song. Um, and thank you all for listening. This has thank been you, Matt. Hist- thank you, guys. History Hour with Henry and Olivia.
0: If you like this one, please let me know. Uh, And if you didn't, also... Don't let us know. Let me know. (laughs) Let me know.
1: Um, Follow us on all the social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Together Alone Pod. And we are on Twitter at Together Alone Pod. And we have an email. It's TogetherAlonePod at gmail.com. Write in. Ask us some questions. Give us some suggestions topics
0: request a digital scan of my bust i will send it to you post haste
1: what if you put your own face in but like in the bust but it was like her hair and neck and bust part and then it was just your face could you do that
0: yeah for sure should i do that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) this has been together alone (laughs) bye i love you
1: i love you bye